Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome to Sunday Take for Sunday, November 13th, 2022. We are five days removed from the midterms of 2022 and months of conversation, speculation, and prognostication on this show were borne out. And we are happy uh, that the election's over, that we know the results, and now we'll begin to look ahead. But not before we look behind this week on Sunday Take. What is the take on this election? What actually happened? And then we'll be joined by two leaders. Senate Minority Leader, newly elected by his peers, Mark Johnson, and Speaker Melissa Hortman, whose House DFL has a six-seat majority, and she is the veteran of the leaders in the legislature. I'm Blaise Olson. This is Sunday Take, and we'll be right back. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Well, 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 there's no big red wave. There's no big blue wave. But there are some splashes and some ripples of Tuesday's election. And as we break them down, I think it's good to just kind of note that uh, the election really had, I believe, uh, what we'll call a new silent majority that didn't talk a lot about the issues they were going to vote on, 
and maybe even avoided talking about issues at all. It just seemed like, as I've said for weeks, Minnesotans didn't want to talk about the politics. They didn't want to talk about issues other than crime and inflation. And they weren't enamored with the way in which the governor's race went down, but they clearly had a preference between Scott Jensen and Tim Walls. Tim Walls' margin of victory is notable. And one of the reasons it's notable is because in this year that many thought he could be vulnerable, he wasn't. Team Waltz was very confident all along. They had their moments that they had concerns. But those of us who were trying to figure out how vulnerable Walls was, always ran into a confident optimism from the team behind Tim Walls. And without rehashing the past, he ran the race he needed to run. And then he proved that he could win by a lot. One of the principles that I often talk about when I go to groups and remind myself and readers and listeners about is that there's never one factor in what an election brings or who wins, but rather there are multiple factors. And so what we watched before the election were, could Scott Jensen increase the margins in greater Minnesota compared to 2018? And indeed he did. Would Governor Wall's margins in the suburbs shrink or be the same? Well, in fact, they grew. What would Dakota County do? This national bellwether in the second congressional district, a top 10 race. Well, Dakota County modeled the other suburbs. It got bluer. What would turnout be in the core cities of Minneapolis, St. Paul, Congressional District 5 and Congressional District 4? Well, it held its own. While it fell from 2018, it was still very solid. And that classic independent district CD1 where four years ago, Tim Walls won his old congressional district. And on the same day, Jim Hagedorn won a seat for Congress. What would CD1 do? Well, CD1 did get more red and Brad Finstead won his full two-year term in the U.S. House. And Tim Walls didn't win CD1. But the margins elsewhere in the state were enough for a decisive Walls victory. And it turns out that those top three issues that we've spent months talking about, crime, inflation, and abortion, it turned out that there was an intensity around the abortion issue that did not falter. In fact, if you look at the data, it's very clear that, yes, indeed, Democrats did decisively drive out voters who were pro-choice or were not going to vote for a pro-life governor. And from that, the momentum of the party machinery continued. Democrats really did believe that this was going to be a conversation won at the door through conversations. And their 500,000 doors that they door knocked through the Minnesota Senate campaign and others proved to be the difference. Similarly, the 
Democratic get-out-the-vote machine of the last weeks that they spent an estimated 20 to $30 million on, it worked and it made the difference. Republicans will point to the fact that in legislative control, there's only a few hundred votes that determined who controlled the legislature. But the dynamic is that Republicans dominated on two of the top three issues and they should have been able to break through, but the challenge was they couldn't. There's also an undercurrent. And if you think about waves, one of the things about waves in the ocean or the flow of a river with whitecaps is there's always part of something under the water that you can't see. Think about when you're in the ocean and you get pulled back out to sea. Or when you're in a river and there could be a strong countercurrent or undercurrent. Well, indeed, that current was there this year. And that current was against the politics, the messages, and the attention that Donald Trump had brought to the Republican Party. There is no doubt that Tuesday's election proves that the Republican Party has a massive reputation issue when it is affiliated with Donald Trump. And why? Because of January 6th, because of an election denying. And ultimately, I think because Minnesotans and Americans don't want to live in a chaotic time with a chaotic lever, leader, with mean politics and mean politics. Yes, voters, even Republicans, weren't going to buy it. How do we know that? Well, Steve Simon the often quiet, never flashy Secretary of State, won more votes than anybody else who was running. That's a confirmation that Minnesotans weren't buying what Kim Crockett was trying to sell. And so we look at the dynamics here. And one of the things to look at in Ramsey County and Hennepin County is the margin by which Democrats get. Until Republicans solve the margin that DFLers get in Hennepin and Ramsey County and the core cities, they can't win statewide. From 2010, when they won, Democrats won Ramsey County by 22 points to 2022, when they won it by 46 points, they've increased their margin consistently. And in 2010, when Democrats won Hennepin County by 13 points, to 2022, where they won Hennepin County by 44 points. In the governor's race, you can see that they can win statewide by running up the total where the people are. Now, that's not necessarily healthy. It's just a fact of where the votes are. Land doesn't vote. And Republicans, even though Greater Minnesota got darker red, and urban Minnesota got darker blue, lost the suburbs for the third cycle in a row. Yes, that's right. From 2018 to 2020 to 2022, Republicans lost the suburbs in Minnesota. And that is where the swing voters are. That is how you win elections. And that is what Democrats have done. Now, as we look forward to the legislative session and the new leaders, 
We have three new leaders. The Senate, where Democrats hold a 34 to 33 majority, chose Kerry Dietzik as their leader. An experienced, good listening pragmatist from Minneapolis. Republicans picked Mark Johnson. An affable, nice, kind state senator from Northwest Minnesota. In the House, Republicans picked Lisa Demuth in a surprise. So the first time in, I think, eight years, uh, Kurt Doubt will not be a leader in the Minnesota House. And Republicans in the Minnesota House are going to find their way. But Lisa Damuth is the first black legislative leader of either caucus ever in the history of Minnesota. On a similar note, Bobby Joe Champion has been nominated and will likely be the Senate president as the first black Senate president. And the returning leader is Speaker Melissa Hortman, who received and deserved a lot of credit for the way in which she's kept her caucus unified the last couple of years. In his press conference after his victory, Governor Walls reashed and dusted off one Minnesota. And frankly, we all could use a little bit of that. It's been a long three, four, six years. We're coming out of this cycle with a major surplus. Coming out of this cycle, understanding that Just because voters aren't talking or screaming or putting up signs does not mean they're not paying attention because turnout told us something different. It's the tone, the tenor of our politics that the citizens are looking to change. Next up, newly elected Senate Minority Leader Mark Johnson, and then we'll talk to Speaker Melissa Hortman. I'm Blois Olson. It's Sunday on WCCO. That means it's Sunday tape. Feel free to sign up for our newsletters at fluencenewsletters.com, fluence-newsletters.com, or search for Morning Take or Blois Olson on Twitter and Facebook. We'll be right back. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We're back on Sunday Take. My next guest is Mark Johnson. He's a senator from northwestern Minnesota, and he's the new Senate minority leader elected by his colleagues this week. Senator Johnson, thanks for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me on, boys. Really appreciate the time. Obviously, Tuesday's election sent a a little bit of an unexpected message to Republicans, and I know that it's only a few days past, but any initial reflection on kind of what Tuesday's results meant and and what it means for, you know, a one-seat minority in the Minnesota Senate? Yeah, so it it, it was a, a bit of a surprise to... Uh, not only us, but I think nationally with uh, what is going on in the economy and the different feelings that are going around public safety and, and school scores and, and different things like that, uh, really expected some different results 
but if you look at the Minnesota results, you know, yes, we did lose a seat and we're down uh, now by one one member. Uh, it still was a very, very close election here in the state of Minnesota. So I don't think that our message was wrong. Uh, you know, we got outspent in some cases 19 to 1, you know, so that the other the other side, the other message really kind of uh, over overshadowed what we had to say. And but when you go and you knock on the doors, it's you know, it's about getting money back in people's pockets, it's about public safety. It's about kids and students, you know, doing better at school. It's about parents making sure that that they feel good with their kids going to school. Um, so those messages are there. Uh, we just have to make sure that we're connecting better with Minnesotans. That's that's was one of my takeaways, but it, it's still it's only a couple of days after the election, so we're really going to have to buckle down as a caucus and and understand more and more what's going on um, in individual districts and and figure that out, bring that back to the caucus. One of the um, factors is obviously uh, the abortion issue in the suburbs. And Republicans have now been challenged in the suburbs the last three elections. But crime and inflation are also issues out there. Is there is there a different way that you think either at the top of the ticket nationally or locally that Republicans need to think differently about the suburbs or about independent voters? Yeah, so I think there are a, a number of issues that that we can be looking at, we've got to do a better job of, of reaching out uh, to the suburbs. You know, there's, there's a number of folks that, that should be on our side, that should be voting with us. But, you know, I think we haven't done a very good job of, of understanding how we connect more closely with their, with their values of, you know, of the things that I just listed. I mean, it, it's universal. It's the things that we need to be doing to make uh, moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas and kids uh, feel like this is a great place to be. Minnesota is a great state and Republicans are the ones who are really making sure that, that our standard of living um, and our opportunities here uh, are what we're looking for. So we just have to make sure that, that that's getting out and we're, we are being associated with that side. Uh, we've got a little, some, we got some things to do, but I think, uh, I think we'll get there. You have a lot of new members, even in your own caucus, and you lost some members. Talk about the members of your caucus and, and when you guys met this week, what, what did they say? What, what do they want from you as a leader and what issues do they want to focus on knowing that it is, you know, a 34 to 33 DFL uh, majority? But one of the things I think voters are, are saying is like, just work and get some stuff done. Um, how do you, how do you talk to your caucus about that? What did your caucus say about that? Uh, so we, yesterday was a, an organizing caucus that we had, so we didn't get into the policy, into the issues. Uh, what we did do was, was, uh, find the leadership for our caucus and, and really fill out the assistant leader positions. Uh, personally, so I, I, I am a very pleased with what the DFL leadership looks like, um, Senator Dietzik, uh, you know, very good friend, uh, very pragmatic. I think she'll be just the right fit uh, to work in a bipartisan manner. So I'm actually pretty excited about a, a good working relationship with uh, her as well. And then the House side, uh, Melissa Hortman, again, you know, somebody that, that's on the other side of the aisle, uh, but a very pragmatic, very reasonable person. 
it's not about personality, it's about what the policies are. So overall, I, I'm actually uh, very excited about what's coming up. Uh, we've got a new mix of members that are, are, I'm just so excited about the experience that they're bringing in and the, and the different areas of Minnesota that they represent. So what was uh, something that was, uh, you know, I was worried. I didn't know exactly how the makeup of leadership on the caucuses would look, but now that that's really shaking out, I I think this will be an excellent session uh, going forward for being in the minority position. The policy probably won't be what we want, but at least we'll have some impact on, on what that looks like at the end of the day. I'm talking to Senator Mark Johnson. He's the new minority leader for Senate Republicans in the Minnesota legislature. Senator Johnson, you mentioned Kerry Dietzik. You said, you know, pragmatic, a good friend. Any good either stories or examples of how you guys have, have worked together or conversed on issues in the past? Well, I yeah, I, I think, you know, we've, we've talked. She's, uh, she's big into, um, you know, she's downtown Minneapolis, so housing uh, of a different sort is in there. And just how thoughtful she was. And we got into those committees and we got into those discussions. Uh, of what the needs are, what the reasonable costs on those things are, you know, it looks at it in a more holistic, not just a political or partisan way, but but more of a holistic uh, kind of a, a look at that, which I was really surprised by and and really happy to see. So, you know, just in the hallways and, and whatnot, we always exchange uh, pleasantries and, and have a chat. And I don't know, I just think really, really highly of her uh, and, and I'm excited to work with her. What should Minnesotans know about you from East Grand Forks, northwest corner of the state? There was once another Senate leader I'm reminded by uh, others about from up there named Roger Moe, uh, another Scandinavian. Uh, <laughs> maybe of a different party, but but what should what should listeners of Sunday Take know about Mark Johnson and what's on the minds of people in your district in uh, in northwestern Minnesota? Oh, that's that's fun. Roger, uh, Roger's a good friend, uh, lives actually up in Erskine. And, uh, so we, we have a, a construction business and, and back in the day when Roger was building a house, we did his basement for his, uh, his house out there. So, uh, we know Roger real well and, and a great friend, but, you know, I'm up in, in Northwest Minnesota, Senate district one, which is, you know, war road and thief river and Crookston that, that neck of the woods. And, great people up there and and really uh you think it's out in the rural areas but it's so funny that the message uh really translates on the needs of minnesotans whether you are in northwest minnesota or downtown minneapolis uh i just think it's a really good fit to represent the state to be in the leadership uh, because you know it, it it's something that it doesn't matter where you are in the state um the, the concerns of people are the same across so Roger's been a good, uh, good fellow to, to talk to and to get an idea of what leadership looks like and to work across the aisle. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting to, to have that legacy uh, that he brings, too. Senator Mark Johnson, thanks for joining me on Sunday Take. I know we'll be talking uh, throughout the session and uh, over the weeks to come. Thanks for making this happen. Hey, thanks a lot, boys. Appreciate it. When we come back, Speaker Melissa Hortman, when it comes to leadership, She's the only returning leader in the legislature. What does her experience tell her about the election and what the legislature has moving forward? I'm Blaise Olson. You're listening to Sunday Take on News Talk 830 WCCO.
The last part of Sunday Take this week is with Speaker Melissa Hortman. As we look at the future legislature, DFLers holding the House. She's also the only leader that remains of the last couple of years and uh, probably brings an interesting perspective of experience uh, to the legislative process and to governing. Speaker Hartman, thanks for joining me on Sunday Take. It's my pleasure to be here. Um, let's just, we'll go back quick and look at Tuesday night. When did you start to feel really good about the, you know, the the mood and the momentum of of winning and keeping the majority on Tuesday night? I would say probably when Representative Doubt called me to concede. We were getting really close to figuring out, this is probably like 1130 midnight, uh, getting close to figuring out that we for sure had 68 and that we would have more than 68, which is the majority level. And about the time we were kind of sorting that out from the partial returns, uh, Representative Doubt called me and we had a, a gracious conversation. Let's just, those, you know, we're in an era where not everybody concedes and they certainly don't do it graciously. And you two have obviously had your uh, political differences, but just talk about that relationship over the years and, and how, you know, that call happens and not the details of the call, but what it means and what the tone of it is when you know somebody as well as you know, uh, Representative Doubt. Yeah, well, we've both been leaders for quite a while. Um, we've both been minority leaders and we've both been speakers and we have both managed diverse and interesting caucuses. So we have some uh, rapport that we've built up over the years of trying to get things done. And so, um, you know, in being a leader is kind of a unique experience. So there's a little bit of a bond uh, from that and uh, we've come to understand each other, even though we have, of course, vast political differences and stylistic differences. Now, obviously, uh, the DFL trifecta uh, means that it's a different dynamic when passing legislation, when looking at the agendas of the caucuses. Um, some of that has been talked about already with what can get done. Where do you see kind of the priorities? Uh, because you also have a lot of new members who are just going to be learning the process and, and a fair amount of members from 2020 who may not have had the full experience of an in-person, all-out kind of engaged session. That's right. Well, in 2019, when we first started uh, being the majority in the Minnesota House of Representatives, DFLers put forward uh, top 10 to top 15 bills that we wanted to work on. And um, most of them we were not able to get done. So things haven't changed for us and voters have continued to reward us with the majority. We feel that our values are in alignment with the values of Minnesotans. So our highest priority is investment in public education. And our second highest priority is making sure that healthcare is affordable and accessible for everyone. And then our third highest priority is making sure we have an economy that works for everyone. So when you break that down into more specifics, an economy that works for everyone includes paid family and medical leave. So that is one of the top policies that I'm looking forward to putting on the governor's desk. That is one um, thing that I think voters post-pandemic, during the pandemic, have started to relate to because there are a lot of companies that have some sort of paid leave policy, but there's also plenty of workers who don't. As you look at it, is there 
is there um is there one blanket solution or how do you approach an issue like that when business is so diverse workers are so diverse and careers are so diverse especially you know and we're still trying to figure out where and how people work after this pandemic right i think we look at states where it's been enacted where it's functioning well my understanding is in the state of Washington that they enacted uh, paid family medical leave. It took a couple of years to get the program up and running. They fund it through a payroll tax. And before anybody could take paid time off, the account had to build up a certain amount of money. But now that people are using it, they find it easy to use. And it kind of uh, levels the playing field between people who are at the top end of the income spectrum in those jobs where it's standard and people who are at the bottom end of the income st- uh, spectrum where it's harder to battle it out for those kind of um, employee benefits. And it's working very smoothly. And my uh, friends in Washington state in the legislature there say the electorate kind of wonders why didn't we do this sooner? And I think you tapped into something there with COVID made us all very aware that we can get each other sick, right? I think we've all had that experience over our lifetime of working, of coming into the workplace and somebody comes in coughing and sneezing and sniffling. Boy, it's a whole different perspective after a pandemic. Yeah, no, and I think there's also just a different attitude about work, which is also going to work itself out over these next few years for businesses uh, and employees and the economy. So as you look back and think about the election and some of your new members, um, you've you've gained a lot of credit, maybe not always loudly, but uh, people who watch the way in which the DFL caucus has managed itself over the last few years do give you a lot of credit of, of maintaining a caucus that's unified and focused. Um, you have another wave of new members. Uh, wh- how does that go without kind of going into the nitty gritty, but What's the philosophy of your leadership within the caucus to keep people unified? We are strongest as a team. I think in a lot of ways, it's like being a coach of a sports team, or I liken it to being the conductor of an orchestra, right? You have to have people who are strong in a variety of different positions, and you, but you need all the players to be at their peak to really excel together. So every once in a while, somebody has to do a, a solo, uh, whether that's you know, a wide receiver catching a pass downfield or, you know, a a violin solo, you, you function though, within the framework of a team, you can only be good together. You need everybody um, living up to their talents and having an opportunity to show what they are talented at and to do things that make them feel good about their contribution to the, the larger whole. Uh, I'm speaking with Speaker Melissa Hartman. She's been reelected as Speaker of the Minnesota House since Democrats have a majority again after Tuesday's election. Speaker Hartman, uh, on Friday, uh, Republicans uh, elected Lisa DeMuth as their new minority leader. What do you know about Representative DeMuth? Um, And it is a change from uh, Leader Dowd, as we talked about before. Yeah, and I think it's Damoth like Namath. Uh, Got it. We have... We have a pronunciation guide at the rostrum. We're going to have to work on this. We're all going to get better at it. Um, but uh, she is, a, a, is, my experience, is a wonderful person. We've had cordial relationships. She is not a person who has uh, so far shown herself to be super partisan. 
And I think um, my hope is that we'll be able to work in a more collegial manner uh, from the get-go uh, than Representative Doubt and I. We certainly got there, Representative Doubt and I, but you know, it took five years. Uh, noted. Sometimes it does take some time. Speaking of time, the last four years have been uh, really a, a, an adventure, a challenge, a roller coaster, whatever you want to call it. With the pandemic in the past, with civil unrest in the past. How do you look forward to working with the governor and, and maybe having a, a a little more normalcy? You're a veteran of the house. You've been there quite a while. So you understand what good times and bad times look like. Uh, how do you get people back to normal relations, less partisanship than maybe we've seen these last couple of years? Well, and I think that we all um, look a little bit with rose-colored glasses at the past. Uh, my first session was 2005, 2006, when Tim Pawlenty was governor, and we had a Democratic legislature, and we had a state government shutdown. And also, I remember in 2011, when we had a Republican legislature and a Democratic governor, Mark Dane, we had a state government shutdown. So partisanship and gridlock has always been a staple of the Minnesota legislature over the last 20 years. It's not new. But I, when I talked to the governor this morning, we had a great meeting with Senator Dietzik. And I said to the governor, you know, you deserve a term without COVID because you acted in a manner to keep Minnesotans safe through that pandemic. You know, none of us ran for office wanting to manage a pandemic in 2020 and 2021. But now we get to do all the things that motivated us to run in the first place, which is really invest in our public education and in the people of Minnesota and moving the state forward, not just preventing harm from a pandemic, but really improving the quality of life for people and, and starting to look at what kind of a legacy can we leave 20 years from now, what will still be better in the state because we serve today. As we wrap here, you, you bring up public education again. Um, you know, one of the terms on the campaign was to fully fund public education. Is there a breakdown of what that looks like? Or is there, I mean, because I do think that even though Minnesotans have a legacy of supporting public education, there is this idea of what, what does that really mean? And we talk about counselors and we talk about special ed, but is there a, is there a proposal that you guys have proposed before or an outline of a proposal that you think comes to the table right away? Well, there, there has been a lot of work done on what does it mean to fully fund public education uh, over the past decade. One thing that we know is that we have slipped. Uh, when I went off to college in 1988 and I headed to Massachusetts, Minnesota and Massachusetts regularly vied for the top spot in the country as the number one best educated state on metrics of ACT scores, SAT scores, income per capita, educational achievement. And we have slipped and we have slipped at the same time that our uh, investment in public education has basically been frozen. When you look at inflation adjusted dollars, we have fallen behind even some of the most conservative Republican states in the country in terms of investment in public education. So uh, we started to slide under uh, Tim Pawlenty and we built back up under Mark Dayton, but they were tough economic times and we had more work to do. So I'm looking forward to um, really unpacking what does that mean to fully uh, invest in our public schools. And then finally, um, obviously there's a surplus. We'll get a forecast in the first week of December. Um, 
does that surplus get us through the next budget cycle? Well, I think one of the things that uh, Mark Dayton left as a legacy is making sure we have a healthy budget reserve. So we had we were on a roller coaster of boom and bust times. Uh, we would careen from surplus to deficit. So I think I will be interested to see what the long-term economic forecast is. I think we all are still concerned as the economic cycles come and go that there's a, a down cycle. We've had a long up cycle. And so we have to be prepared to maybe sock some money away for the future uh, in case a feared recession does materialize. Speaker Hartman, thanks for joining me on Sunday Take. Get some rest. Sounds good. Thanks a lot, Lois. Next week on Sunday Take, we'll look ahead to what's next in Minnesota politics after what just happened in the election. I'm Blois Olson. Sunday's at nine. It's Sunday Take on News Talk 830 WCCO. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 